Chapter Eleven of the Book of Cats. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. The Book of Cats by Charles Henry Ross. Chapter Eleven of Pussy Poorly and Some Curiosities of the Cat's Meat Trade. So sickly cats neglect their fur attire and sit and mope beside the kitchen fire. Bombastes Furioso. A writer on cats, when speaking of the necessity of administering physic in certain cases, says that the bare thought of so doing is sufficient to daunt at least nine-tenths of the lady cat-owners of the kingdom, and gives these directions to assist the timid fair one in her arduous task. Have ready a large cloth, and wrap the patient therein, whisping the cloth round and round her body, so that every part of her except the head is well enveloped. Any one may then hold it between their knees while you complete the operation. Put on a pair of stout gloves, and then, with a firm hand, open the animal's mouth wide. Poor pussy! From the formidable nature of these preparations one would almost fancy that it was a full-grown tigress about to be doctored, and its iron mouth required a firm hand to wrench apart the jaws. To such inexperienced ladies as could require these directions, the writer's further advice not to pour down the cat's throat too much at a time comes very seasonably, but I am not too sure that pussy will not have choked for all that. When properly managed, says he, a sick cat may be made to take pills or any other drug without risk of a severe scratching on your part, and danger of a dislocated neck on the part of suffering grimalkin. I can readily understand that there is small fear of the cat's claws penetrating through five or six folds of stout calico, but about the safety of its neck I have my doubts. One, indeed, feels almost inclined to add, as a further safeguard for the trembling doctor, a suit of chain-mail or a diver's dress, such as the man wears who braves the dangers of the tank at the polytechnic. Seriously speaking, a lady who is kind to her domestic pets will have no trouble in giving them medicine. When they are kittens they should be taught to lie upon their backs, and in this attitude, with the head raised, the physic is easily enough administered. A sick cat, too, does not fly from those for whom it has an affection. On the contrary, I have always known cats to come for sympathy to those who nurse and feed them. Administer the physic with a teaspoon, if liquid, and be most careful when the dose has been given, to gently wash from the cat's face or breast any drop of the stuff that may have fallen there, so that she may not find the nasty taste lingering about her when she goes to clean herself, as otherwise she has the unpleasantness of the physic long after the doses have been discontinued. These are some of the complaints from which cats suffer, and the best methods to be adopted for their cure. A cat is sometimes affected by a sort of distemper which attacks it between the first and third month of its life. The cat or kitten, when thus suffering, refuses its food, seems to be sensitive of cold, and creeps close to the fire or hides itself in any warm corner. A mild aperient, small doses of brimstone, for instance, should be administered. Whilst ill, feed the cat upon light biscuit spread with butter. A little manna is a good thing if the cat will eat it, and the animal should be kept warm and quiet. If, however, you see the sick cat frequently vomiting, the vomit being a bright yellow frothy liquid, be very careful of the animal should she be a pet, for then the distemper is taking an ugly turn and requires special attention. Probably before long the sickness will change to diarrhea, which in the end will turn to dysentery if prompt measures be not taken. When the vomiting first comes on, give the cat half a teaspoon of common salt in about two teaspoons full of water, as an emetic for the purpose of clearing the stomach. Then, to stop the sickness, give half a spoonful of melted beef marrow free from skin. If this is not found sufficient, the dose may be repeated. Cats just reaching their full growth are liable to have fits. Male cats almost always have, at this time, a slight attack of delirium. 
when coming on it may easily be known by an uneasy restlessness and a wildness of the eyes in bad cases the cat when seized with delirium will rush about with staring eyes sometimes fly at the window but more often fly from your presence and hide itself in the darkest place it can find if it have a regular fit with frothing at the mouth quivering limbs etc as in a human being so attacked lady cust recommends that one of the ears be slightly slit with a sharp pair of scissors on the thin part of the ear you must then have some warm water ready and hold the ear in it gently rubbing and encouraging the blood to flow a few drops even will afford relief during the attack the cat does not feel nor does it resist in the least therefore the most timid lady might perform this little operation without fear but where the symptoms are not so violent a gentle aperient may do all that is required a good alternative for them is half a teaspoonful of common salt in two teaspoonsful of water as mentioned above though in this case it will not cause vomiting female cats lady cust says are less subject to fits of delirium and never have them after they have once nursed young ones unless frightened into them which all cats easily are in this however i think she is mistaken for i have had a cat so affected when nursing her second litter of kittens another cat of mine was seized with delirium rushed suddenly out of the kitchen and disappeared mysteriously for three days at the end of that time the servant going to light the fire under the copper the animal crawled forth from the copper hole very thin and weak but otherwise seemingly cured of its strange complaint all cats are subject to diarrhoea and the signs of their so suffering are to be found in dull eyes staring coat and neglected toilette and the animal is very likely to die of the complaint unless the proper remedies be applied as soon as it is discovered give the cat some lukewarm new milk and a piece of fresh mutton suet the suet the size of a walnut to a teacupful of milk melted and mixed in it if the patient be too ill to lap administer the mixture a teaspoonful every two hours take care not to give it too much as to make it sick if there is no bile you should give the cat full grown a grain and a half of the grey powder used in such cases if the diarrhoea still continue lady cust suggests that a teaspoonful of chalk mixture used by human beings be tried with seven or eight drops of tincture of rhubarb and four or five of laudanum every few hours until the complaint ceases cats will continue ill her ladyship says for a few days their eyes even fixed but still with watching and care they may be cured a teaspoonful at a time of pure meat gravy should be given now and then but not until nearly two hours after medicine to keep up the strength until appetite returns there is a disease resembling the chicken-pox which appears in the shape of eruptions upon a cat's head and throat it is in these cases advisable to rub the bad places with flour of brimstone mixed with fresh hog's lard without salt the cat will lick some of this ointment off and swallow it which operation will assist the cure much of the necessity for physic is however avoided when the cat is able to get some grass to eat without which i believe it can never be in good health i have a tom-cat which seems to be particularly partial to ribbon grass but this i should say is quite an epicurean taste of his according to lady cust who is the greatest indeed the only authority on such matters the hair swallowed by the cat in licking itself is conveyed into the stomach and intestines where it remains in balls or long rolls causing dullness and loss of appetite is digested easily by adhering to the long grass or if the mass is too large as is often the case in the molting season especially with angora cats it will be seen throwing up long rolls of hair with grass perfectly exclusive of any other substance but again the cat itself seems to know that grass is very needful for the preservation of its health the food and prey it eats often disorder the stomach on such occasions it eats a little grass which however goes no further than the commencement of the esophagus this is irritated by the jagged and saw-like margins of the blades of grass and this irritation is by a reflex action communicated to the stomach 
which by a spasmodic action rejects its vitiated secretion. It is very cruel and injurious to the mother to destroy the whole litter of kittens at once, unless it has some feline friend or relation to relieve it of its milk. One of its grown-up children or its husband will generally do so, without much persuasion. If deprived of this resource, however, the frequent destruction of the kittens will, in all probability, cause cancers, and in the end kill the cat. If the mother die, and the kittens be left orphans, they may easily be reared by hand. Feed them with new milk, sweetened with brown sugar. Plain milk is too astringent. To imitate the cat's lick, wipe the kittens with a nearly dry sponge and soap and water. A good way to feed them is to use a well-saturated fine sponge which the kittens will suck. The most common way, however, is to pour the milk gently down the throat from a pointed spoon. I knew a lady who fed a pet kitten from her mouth, and it grew up extraordinarily affectionate and sagacious. But I have seen many cases where a cat has conceived a strong affection toward a person who has never fed it, and scarcely ever noticed it. I lately heard on good authority of a case of a lady one of whose cats came every morning to her bedroom door at six o'clock precisely, making so much noise mewing that it would awaken everyone in the house if she did not hasten to get up, open the door, and shake hands with it. After which ceremony it went quietly away. But as a rule these animals do not tax their master's good nature to such an extent. A pat on the head now and then, a kind word now and again, nothing more is required. Mr. Kingston says, I was calling on a delightful and most clever kind old lady, who showed me a very beautiful tabby cat, coiled up on a chair before the fire. Seventeen years ago, said she, that cat's mother had a litter. They were all ordered to be drowned, with the exception of one. The servant brought me that one. It was a tortoise shell. No, I said, that will always be looking dirty. I will choose another. So I put my hand into the basket, and drew forth this tabby. The tabby has stuck by me ever since, when she came to have a family she disappeared, but the rain did not, for it came pouring down through the ceiling, and it was discovered that Dame Tabby had made a lying-in hospital for herself in the thatched roof of our house. The damage she did cost us several pounds, so we asked a bachelor friend, who had a good cook fond of cats, to take care of Tabby the next time she gave signs of having a family, as we knew that she would be well fed. We sent her in a basket, well covered up, and she was carefully shut into a room, where she soon was able to exhibit a progeny of young mewlings. More than the usual number were allowed to survive, and it was thought that she would remain quietly where she was, but at the first opportunity she made her escape, and down she came all the length of the village, and I heard her mewing at my bedroom door early in the morning to be let in. When I had stroked her back and spoken kindly to her, off she went to look after her nurslings. From that day every morning down she came regularly to see me, and would not go away till she had been spoken to and caressed. Having satisfied herself that I was alive and well, back she would go again. She never failed to pay me that one visit in the mornings, and never came twice in the day, till she had weaned her kittens, and then every day she came back, and nothing would induce her to go away again. I had not the heart to force her back. From that day to this she has always slept at the door of my room. Never was there more evident affection exhibited in the feline race." With respect to a cat's food, I think it should not have too much meat, and I should prefer feeding it on scraps that have come from the table to buying cat's meat. If their taste be consulted upon the subject, almost all cats are passionately fond of lights, particularly as they grow old, and one elderly red-haired gentleman in particular, with whom I had once the honour of being acquainted, was in the habit of watching the pot whilst the lights boiled, with lively interest, sniffing the steam when the saucepan lid was raised, and licking his lips in anticipation of joys to come, when he could gorge himself to his heart's content. 
as he was a very old gentleman and enjoyed the privileges of age he had unlimited lights supplied to him and it was his habit to eat as much as he could possibly swallow and then lie down within sight of the plate and catch uneasy snatches of sleep waiting until he could go on again with his orgy but racked meanwhile by horrid fears lest anyone else should get at his food and only dozing off as the saying is one eye at a time this same red cat one day when the servants were out and i was alone in the garden came to me mewing in a strange sort of way looking as i thought very anxious and running backwards and forwards between me and the house at last i followed him as he seemed to wish me to do i accompanied him to the street door where i found the butcher's boy waiting with the lights in giving a cat the scrapings of dirty plates it is as well if you value the animal's life to remove the fish bones should there be any among the leavings very frequently as most cats bolt their food they get a bone sticking in their mouth or throat of which they are unable to relieve themselves and suffer much pain without their owners guessing at the cause of their discomfiture a lady in a house i was staying at had a cat that got what was afterwards supposed to be a fish bone sticking in its mouth far at the back in such a way that it was unable to close its jaws for two or three days it remained in this state refusing all food and looking in a woeful plight indeed we afterwards supposed that it could not even lap but at the time although we made several examinations of the sufferer we could not discover what ailed it at last some one suggested seeking the aid of a veterinary surgeon whose dignity seemed just a little bit ruffled by being called in for a cat and who when he did come did not bring his instruments with him nevertheless he found out what was wrong and forcing open the cat's jaws put in his finger to loosen what he called a fishbone being rather fearful of getting a bite he was somewhat hasty and the bone jerked out flew into the air as he released his hold on the cat's head whereupon the cat caught the bone as it fell and instantly swallowed it leaving us until this day in the dark as to the size and nature of the bone and indeed rather doubtful whether it was a bone at all in cases where the cat is accidentally crippled or should be so ill that it were better to put it out of its misery at once the best plan is to send for a chemist who for a small sum would administer the poison upon your own premises i have known cases where man-servants entrusted to take the animals to the chemist's shop have thrown it down in the street or killed it with unnecessary torture themselves and pocketed the money they should have paid for the poisoning to administer the poison yourself is by no means a wise course as probably you may give too much or too little and in either case defeat your object i know for a fact that two medical students once barbarously practising experiments with poison on an unhappy cat twice poisoned the animal as they supposed and once actually buried it of course not very deeply after which it recovered again and crawled into the house rather to their alarm as you may suppose on the second occasion it happened in the dead of night those unable to procure the assistance of a doctor or chemist can easily drown a cat by putting it in a pail of water and pressing another pail down upon it care being taken of course to handle the cat gently so as not to alarm it before the last moment concerning the cat's meat trade mr henry mayhew gives many curious particulars of which the following are some of the most amusing the cat's meat carriers frequently sell as much as ten pennyworth to one person and there has been a customer to the extent of sixteen pennyworth this person a black woman used to get out on the roof of the house and throw it to the cats on the tiles by which conduct she brought so many stray cats round about the neighbourhood that the parties in the vicinity complained of the nuisance the noise of about a hundred strange cats a little before feeding time about ten in the morning was tremendous and when the meat was thrown to them the fighting and confusion was beyond description there was also a woman in Isington who used to have fourteen pounds of meat a day. The person who supplied her was often paid two and three pounds at a time. She had often as many as thirty cats at a time. 
every stray cat that came she would take in and support the carriers give a great deal of credit indeed they take but little ready money on some days they do not come home with more than two shillings one with a middling walk pays for his meat seven shillings six pence per day for this he has a half a hundred weight this produces him as much as eleven shillings sixpence, so that his profit is four shillings, which, I am assured, is about a fair average of the earnings of the trade. One carrier is said to have amassed one thousand pounds at the business. He usually sold from one and a half to two centimweight every morning, so that his profits were generally from sixteen shilling to a pound per day. But the trade is much worse now. There are so many at it, they say, that there is barely a living for any a carrier assured mr mayhew he seldom went less than thirty and frequently forty miles through the streets every day the best districts are among the houses of tradesmen mechanics and labourers the coachmen in the mews at the back of the squares are very good customers the work lays thicker there said one carrier old maids are bad though very plentiful customers they cheapen the carriers down so that they can scarcely live at the business they will pay one halfpenny and owe another and forget that after a day or two the cat's meat dealers generally complain of their losses from bad debts their customers require credit frequently to the extent of one pound one party owes me fifteen shillings now said a carrier and many ten shillings in fact very few people pay ready money for the meat the best days for cat's meat business are mondays tuesdays and saturdays a double quantity of meat is sold on the saturday and on that day and monday and tuesday the weekly customers generally pay the supply of food for cats and dogs is far greater than may be generally thought why sir said one of the dealers can you tell me how many peoples in london on mr mayhew's replying upwards of two millions i don't know nothing whatever said the man about millions but i think there's a cat to every ten people ay and more than that and so sir you can reckon mr mayhew told him this gave a total of two hundred thousand cats in london but the number of inhabited houses in the metropolis was one hundred thousand more than this and though there was not a cat to every house still as many lodgers as well as householders kept cats he added that he thought the total number of cats in london might be taken at the same number as the inhabited houses or three hundred thousand in all there is not near half so many dogs as cats i must know for they all knows me and i serves about two hundred cats and seventy dogs mine's a middling trade but some does far better some cats has a hay-earth a day some every other day very few can afford a penn-earth but times is inferior dogs is better pay when you've a connection among em a cat's meat carrier who supplied me with information says the same writer was more comfortably situated than any of the poorer classes that i have yet seen he lived in the front room of a second floor in an open and respectable quarter of the town and his lodgings were the perfection of comfort and cleanliness in an humble sphere it was late in the evening when i reached the house i found the carrier and his family preparing the supper in a large morocco leather easy-chair sat the cat's meat carrier himself his blue apron and black shiny hat had disappeared and he wore a dress coat and a black satin waistcoat instead his wife who was a remarkably pretty woman and of very attractive manners wore a dolly varden cap placed jauntily on the back of her head and a drab merino dress the room was cosily carpeted and in one corner stood a mahogany crib with cane-work sides in which one of the children was asleep on the table was a clean white tablecloth and the room was savoury with the steaks and mashed potatoes that were cooking on the fire indeed i have never yet seen greater comfort in the abodes of the poor the cleanliness and wholesomeness of the apartment were the more striking from the unpleasant associations connected with the calling 
It is believed by one who has been engaged in the business for twenty-five years that there are from nine hundred to one thousand horses, averaging two centum weight of meat each, little and big, boiled down every week, so that the quantity of cats and dogs' meat used throughout London is about two hundred thousand pounds per week, and this, sold at the rate of two and a half pence per pound, gives two thousand pounds a week for the money spent in cats and dogs' meat, or upwards of one hundred thousand pounds a year, which is at the rate of one hundred pounds worth sold annually by each carrier. The profits of the carriers may be estimated at about fifty pounds each per annum. The capital required to start in this business varies from one pound to two pounds. The stock money needed is between five shillings and ten shillings. The barrow and basket, weights and scales, knife and steel, or blackstone, cost about two pounds when new, and from fifteen shillings to four shillings second-hand. Mr. Mayhew also states the London dogs and cats meet carriers to number at least one thousand. The slaughtermen, he says, are said to reap large fortunes very rapidly. Many of them retire after a few years and take large farms. One, after twelve years' business, retired with several thousand pounds and now has three large farms. The carriers are men, women, and boys. Very few women do as well at it as the men. The carriers are generally sad drunkards. Out of five hundred, it is said three hundred at least, spend a pound a head a week in drink. One party in the trade told me that he knew a carrier who would spend ten shillings in liquor at one sitting. The profit the carriers make upon the meat is at present only a penny per pound. In the summer time the profit per pound is reduced to a halfpenny, owing to the meat being dearer on account of its scarcity. The following are, as well as I can remember, the words of an old song, to the tune of Cherry Ripe, that were sung in some play. Cat's meat, cat's meat, meat I cry, on a skewer, come and buy, from Hyde Park corner to Wapping Wall, all the year I cat's meat ball, cat's meat, cat's meat, meat I cry, on a skewer, come and buy. End of chapter 11